The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic for IGN, other sources from time to time. Uh, people write in and call me Rockmeister McCool. Because you are Rockmeister um, McCool. You're the Rockmeister McCooliest. I am not of Irish ancestry, so I'm not sure if I can make claim to McCool, which is an Irish name. I never really thought about it like that. Yeah, there's Finn McCool and Finn McCummel. Well, you know, uh, people uh, people can make that choice for themselves. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us here at Cancelled Too Soon. Um, times are hard all over right now. Uh, if you're listening to this in the distant future, uh, right now we're in the middle of a, of a global pandemic. Uh, everyone's supposed to stay at home, uh, avoid, uh, avoid each other as much as possible, social distancing, but there are things that we can do that will bring us all together, so Whitney and I will be podcasting as much as possible uh, to help pass the time <laughs> I'll pass the time to, to fill your your days as well as ours yeah. and uh you know I'm uh it's everything's changed I'm at home with my son who's home from school so I, I get that to home nice. I get to homeschool him I spend a lot of time with him I'm not working which is a bummer but yeah same here yeah I've got uh, a few freelance assignments here and there but basically everything's dried up yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and and I was working at a movie theater and movie theaters were ordered closed by Gavin Newsom our governor so uh, and, and and for good cause. No, good cause. Like this it, is, it, it sucks for us financially, I, I but can it's say, the right thing to do. I can say this sucks, but I understand that this is all for pu- the yeah. good of public safety. So, um, so what I'm going to say uh, up front is we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep podcasting, uh, especially if you're on your Patreon. We have a ton of exclusive content coming. Um, if you are supporting us on our Patreon, thank you very, very much. We really are relying on that income right now. Well, and, and you know well, that that really helps. Additionally, we do appreciate you and appreciate your attention and and your support. What I was going to say is, uh, if you're in a position where you still have steady income, a solid nest egg, um, if you can support whether it's us or someone else, uh, the artists and uh, like freelance writers and YouTubers and podcasters who might have had a lot of their financial uh, situation dried up uh, due to the whole industry shutting down and due to everyone staying home. Uh, this is a, the time to support the people who entertain you because we all have a lot more time for entertainment right now. Yeah. So uh, if you can support us, cool. If you already support us, we love you for that. Uh, if you want to take this opportunity to support other people, there's a ton of other people who produce lots of great content. Um, I'm sure they would all appreciate it. Mm. Uh, but that is the end of that, because we have to talk about failed TV shows. Yay! <laughs> you know, as we've always, as we've always said, our failed TV shows reveal more about the human condition. <laughs> 
than the success is. Everyone's like, oh, what 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 is this? What does the popularity of Friends say about the world? Or the popularity of The Sopranos? Who cares? Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the, they're, the they're, correct answer not, on Family Feud. It doesn't yeah. mean it's the right answer. It just means it's the one that most people knew. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what people try and fail to do reveals uh, a little bit more deeply about what's going on in their hearts, and uh, we're gonna be dealt. And we've been uh, spending the last two monthly movies delving into the deepest, darkest heart of the Disney catalog. Yeah, uh, if you're not part of our Patreon, over uh, at Patreon for $5 and up, we have a monthly podcast called uh, The Cancel Too Soon Monthly Movie, and this whole year we decided to dedicate every episode of that to TV movies and miniseries that should be on the Disney Plus streaming service but are not. Because Disney has them all, they own them all, they made them all, and, and they're afraid of them all. Well, I mean, they guess they don't figure there's a huge market for the Parent Trap 2, 3, and 4. But uh, they're out there. I see no reason to hide them. Uh, so we're trying to raise awareness of a lot of the stuff that Disney doesn't seem to want you to mm. have access to. And while we were doing some research on that, we found a miniseries that we almost did for that podcast. And then we found out, to our glee... <laughs> that it was actually a failed pilot for a very expensive sci-fi television series about hunky teens in space called Earth Star Voyager. It's the year 2084, and they're just kids with a grown-up job saving mankind. This planet's in trouble. They qualified you to serve aboard the Earth Star Voyager. Weapons are not a high priority. Look out! Captain, there's a life force present. It could be dangerous. Free inner door secure. Complete the mission. Keep going. Keep going! Good luck, Voyager. You're going to need it. Disney's Earth Star Voyager. That's Earth asterisk star Voyager. There's yeah. a star in the title. Like a literal star. Oh, like you have yeah. to put it in there. So I got to put it in the title of the episode. Earth, That'll be Earth fun star. for SEO. Um, yeah. So the premise of Earth Star Voyager, uh, in a nutshell, and I will give this show, we'll talk about whether it's good or bad, but I'll give the show tons of credit. They filled the first two episodes. This is a two-part like TV miniseries. Yeah, ran over the course of three hours yeah. uh, two on nights. television. It, yeah. it aired on ABC on or, January no, it, uh, The Disney Channel. No, it was ABC. Oh, was it? It was probably. on ABC. It was the, now, Mag- now, it was the Magic World of Disney. Okay. Now owned by Disney, though. I don't, yes. think, I don't think ABC was owned by Disney yet at I don't that think point. They uh, but it aired on January 17th and January 24th, 1988. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the premise of the show is it's the future, a couple hundred years in the future, so Earth is fucked. It's twenty, the 2080s. Oh, it's just the 20, it's just 100 years? It takes, yeah, it's okay. 2088. For some yeah. reason I thought it was 200. Okay. Uh, it's 100 years in the future, Earth is fucked. Earth is really not in a good place, we've destroyed it. We had our eye mm. on the ball even then. Yeah, yeah, uh, just like now! <laughs> hey! Uh, but, and the idea is we have found a planet that might support human life. It's called Demeter, which they pronounce Demeter. Eh, that's a common mispronunciation, yeah. though. They, they found a planet called Demeter out, out in the wilds of space. And uh, they need to send a ship out there to get closer readings, make sure it actually is inhabitable, uh, and then come on back and tell everybody it's time to go. Uh, the trip is going to last about 50 years. And they have hypersleep, but it's not like hypersleep in Alien, where you're just sort of in stasis and you don't age for decades. Yeah, the idea is that when you sleep, you sleep in hypersleep, and as a result, you're aging, like, 
one third less fast than normal. Yeah, but you're still aging. And, you're still yeah. aging. and so because the triple takes so long and because they do need people to fully staff this very large vessel, like it's at least as big as the Enterprise. It's like got, got like 200 people on it. Um, they realize that if they if they uh, recruit a whole bunch of like older people, they're not going to survive the trip. So everyone on the trip is like 24 or younger. Yeah. Like the oldest, the oldest, like the, the second in command. Don't staff anybody under 30. Yeah. Like basically, yeah. So the, the second in command, like the c- commander is like, he's in his forties and he knows he's not going to make the return mm. trip. So he's just there to supervise everybody, train them. And then one day the second in command will take over. Uh, a, and uh, very, very quickly in the pilot, that guy dies, and now it's just a bunch of kids in space. Did you ever see the movie Space Camp? You know, I never saw Space it's Camp. From, from around 86, I think that movie came out. Yeah. Uh, space Camp, this is this has Space Camp all over it. Mm. This is almost like Space Camp, the movie, because it is about a bunch of teenagers who get to go to Space Camp, which was like the ultimate prize on Finders Keepers back <laughs> in the day. If, if, if you win on Double Dare, you win a trip to Space Camp. That was like the ultimate did, prize. Did you get to go in like zero G at some point? or like was that you, you got to go in zero G, like one of those, um, there were, now you can just go to a fair and ride them, but those big gyroscope things that you, you oh, yeah. hang on to. Like uh, in that Aerosmith music video, Living on the Edge. Yeah, yeah. You can't help yourself inside. <laughs> we're living on the edge. Uh, uh, I think you're thinking of Amazing. No, Amazing was the That's one with the, one the sex the, on the motorcycle. Yeah, and the virtual reality. And yeah, no, Living on the Edge had the gyroscope. Oh, okay. I, re- I remember those very well. I was huge into Aerosmith yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, that one, Amazing, and, and Crying all blend together in yeah. my brain. I'm telling you, um, one of these days, they're going to turn Crying into a movie. They ought to. It's just a feature film. Like, it's yeah. going to happen. Like, we're, wait- we're hitting this point now for nostalgia where we're going to run out of movies and TV shows and video games, and we're going to do music videos. Why not? Some of them are be a good idea. Mm. Like, can you imagine if this David Fincher now mm. did a movie version of Jane's Got a Gun? <laughs> that would be amazing. That episode, that, that music really... video was like really groundbreaking at the mm. time, considering how narratively driven it was and how stylish it is. Mm. And uh, yeah, so that's a that's lo- a thing. To get. I'd love to see like a battle between the live action and the animated in the Take on Me movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. Take on me, you take on us all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, back to Earth Star Voyager. Yeah, it, it's uh, so it's yeah a bunch of kids in space, and that's uh, that's Disney marketing right up the middle. It's yeah. it's uh, you're you're on a spaceship. Good science fiction show. This is '80s sci-fi Disney, so we're looking at like black hole production values, which is to say, pretty good. Yeah, it's um, not bad. It the, looks fine. It looks very clean. Yeah. Everything's yeah. Uh, got but, those big white walls. And but it's it's also very retro, because so it has like sort of a, a 1950s tinfoil aesthetic kind of lurking around the edges in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they have so many they have like four episodes worth of adventures in this pilot and like and like and usually in like a long like Battlestar Galactica for example had like a big miniseries pilot mm. but it was pretty focused it was just it's the about aliens the attack. experience Sorry. and all of the yeah. yeah the Cylons attack okay we built winters of characters the Cylons attack we fight off the Cylons we rescue a bunch of people we have one big last battle against the Cylons and we find out the Cylons look human and then we dash out mm. it's pretty focused it's a lot happens but it's pretty focused yeah there's yeah, this is like the first four episodes of the show. It is jam packed mm. with stuff. And I gotta tell you, I'm actually pretty impressed at how well they kept all the balls in the air. This is a large ensemble cast, got a pretty good sense of everybody. We're introduced to everybody pretty cleanly. 
got a lot of interesting concepts here. They set up stuff that they could have done more with later, but obviously they never got around to it. Um, there's a lot going on here. Um, and I will say, I think the person who does the absolute most work mm. on Earth Star Voyager, the person who probably more <laughs> than anyone else is responsible for me taking this show you, seriously. You know what you, I know what you're going to say. Is too. composer Lalo Schifrin. Yeah. yeah, yeah composer yeah. Lalo Schifrin, you probably know him best. Uh, as the composer of the Mission Impossible theme. That's like his most well-known mm. work. But if you look up his like filmography, he has worked on tons of great and classic movies and TV shows. He was the one who allegedly wrote uh, a score for The Exorcist that was so scary that William Friedkin threw it out a window and decided to go another direction. <laughs> wow. Uh, so... You went with tubular bells, which is plenty spooky as it's it great. is. It's yeah. like, great. It, it, it worked out. And mm-hmm. apparently, uh, like, Lalo Schifrin's score for that eventually worked its way into um, Amityville Horror, but I'm not sure how true that is. Uh, Lalo Schifrin is scoring, like, a Star Wars movie. Lalo Schifrin mm-hmm. is really selling it. There are things in this movie where you remove the score, it's the most boring thing on the planet. <laughs> you put the score in, it works. And that's what a yeah, score's supposed yeah. to do. It adds emphasis it adds inflection so there's like there's a scene in this talked about this before there's a really great somebody did just as a musical exercise Mm -hmm. removed the score from the climax of et yeah and put in uh just like some foley and some background sounds and it's just et walking up a ramp and flying away but without sort of john williams just sort of Mm -hmm. gushing over himself in that scene where just all these orchestral flourishes. Yeah, John Williams like, makes that whole thing. Yeah, work. it's like you hear a dog barking in the distance. Be good, and you hear like alien feet walking up the metal ramp. Plunk, 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 and everybody's like, <gasps> like they're all full of awe, but there's no music, so they just like yeah. look like complete idiots. Yeah, so, and, like, yeah. and, and the, we have enough distance in the audience where if we don't have a score or something, mm. it could be the music. It could be the music. It could be the lighting. It could be anything uh, to convey what the characters are feeling at that moment then if they're going through something that's even remotely absurd, that's mm. all we can say. There's a scene in this movie, in this uh, miniseries, and we'll, this is a plot point later on, where uh, there's a cyborg who they have mm. picked up on that's on the ship. Who's, who's a Borg, essentially. Yeah, yeah, basically it's an early version of the Borg. Uh, he's like on like a medical table, and he's supposed to not be able to move, and it's just a really long shot. Like It's like 45 seconds. Just panning over to the cyborg, mm. and then the cyborg lifts its arm when it's not supposed to have been able to do that because it's supposed to be broken. That's a boring shot. <laughs> Lalo Schifrin scores the shit out of that. That, oh, shot, yeah. that was yeah. scary. Mm. It shouldn't be. That's a stupid shot. It works. He's really mm. making it work. And to their credit, the young cast... Pretty much all bringing their game. They're all bringing their game. What I appreciate about Earthstar Voyager, and I think it's pretty good um, mm-hmm. overall. It's pretty good. Um, is that they're playing it completely straight and it works. Yeah. Uh, there's a way to play these science fiction things totally straight, and it becomes like really kind of earnest and and bogged down. But this is mm-hmm. you know has that kind of kid friendly melodrama that actually makes it a little bit more exciting to watch. And there's not a a funny guy. Mm. And there's maybe kind of a funny there's guy. There's kind of a funny guy, but it, the, sh- the show isn't like, he's not, he's not a sidekick. Exactly. He job, there, there's not like sort of a, this light whimsical sense of humor to the whole thing. And maybe I'm saying this because I'm watching Firefly at the same time I'm watching this. Mm. And Firefly is all about the whimsical sense of humor uh, f- for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, is 
kind of getting a lot of traction from its earnestness. And the bad guys are genuinely scary. And most importantly, all of the young people are uh, very, very scared. Yeah. Like they realize they're in over their head. They're in a desperate situation. Some people are trying to take charge, but they're all really inexperienced. And you feel that. And that makes it a lot more dramatic and exciting. I also really like how, because clearly the idea was, here's what we want to do. We want to do Star Trek, mm-hmm. but with all kids. How do we justify that? Mm. Well, first off, the idea of the trip is going to take 50 years, like round trip. Uh, so they, they, we should start, everyone who gets on there should be really young. So it's all people who are just out of cadet training or like young geniuses. So there's like mm. a little kid who's like the youngest person on the ship is like 15. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a prodigy and he's, yeah. that's uh, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse Beanstalk. Mm. Uh, that's his last name, B-I-E-N-S-T-O-C-K, uh, played by Jason Mikus. Um yeah, so he's like a child prodigy, but everyone else is like late teens, early 20s. And the other thing that they bring up very importantly uh, is that we're actually going to encourage fraternization. We yeah, want pe- people to... People are going to have to repopulate. Yeah, and, yeah, like yeah. We, we're trying to secure the human race. We should fill this ship with hunky people mm, and lot. encourage them <laughs> to, yeah. to, get, oh, to, to pair so, up. So all of these sort of teen melodrama and I like her but does she like me and all that kind of stuff which ordinarily in a show like this it's, would it's be window, so it's like window dressing usually, so besides yeah. the point we'd be like come on stop like a couple of love subplots is okay but mm. like what's with everyone making out like you have work to do mm. making out is the work <laughs> Making out is part it's of the part mission. Of, which is weird because, you know, you, and there's a temptation to push that into sort of like a, a like essentially a porn fantasy sure. territory. It's like, oh, all these hot people. And there could be a tempt. Like, do you remember the, that the Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Wesley is about to be executed because they go down and everybody's in those like really awful looking sex outfits. I don't actually remember they, Yeah, these, these like diaphanous white robes and the men yeah. and the women. Were, yeah, it's the most terrible shit. And... Uh, <laughs> It's my favorite TV show, but there's terrible shit in that show. Right. There is like a Misty Monday film lurking in this premise, which because it's on ABC, they can't do. And I think they do it in a way like there's like a sleazy element, but they turn away from it tastefully. Mm -hmm. Because they're all kids. And and because the first like pilot miniseries Mm. of this. It, there, not a lot of time passes. They're in space. They don't, they're not specific about it, but they're not in space for years. Mm. They're in space for weeks, maybe. Yeah. So they're all really focused on the task at hand. They're all really focused on their jobs and the variety of emergencies that pop up. So the actual romantic interplay is pretty muted, and mm. there's a lot of just sidelong glances. Uh, let's talk about the cast. <clears throat> um. So uh, our captain, who uh, becomes captain after the uh, adult in the room dies, mm. like, right away. They, like, get out of, like, the asteroid belt surrounding Earth, and then the captain dies. And the, the captain says, you must complete the mission! And I'm like, we just left Earth five minutes ago! <laughs> Let's turn back around and get another captain! It's five minutes! Well, okay. Uh, I, I imagine it's like it's like an ocean liner. You can't just sort of turn an ocean liner around. It takes a long time to turn a ship. How long would it take to turn an ocean liner around? Uh, Golly, like all day. Okay, one day out of a 26-year mission. (laughs) 
let's turn back around and get another captain. They don't say anything about it being like on autopilot, but I assume that's what's happening. It's like you can't just sort of like spin a wheel and turn a ship that size. I mean, they can't. They do change course and like go veer off a little bit to like investigate things and respond to emergency distress calls. Here's the thing: it's Star Wars made space travel seem really easy. Like ships were just a play a thing that got you from place to place, and you can fly dogfights in space. I appreciate the science fiction stories that acknowledge how gravity works, how far away other stars are, and how difficult it is to get there. Like, space is so big that you need to make allowances for that when you're writing your imaginary star propulsion drives, and et cetera, et cetera. That's why they can't turn it around, because it's hard. Mm. Okay, still think it's pretty thin. They're clearly making it up. They clearly are just trying to make an excuse for why to, they don't to get turn the around. premise. All right, because we want them to be mm. a bunch of kids. So uh, now the captain is Jonathan Hayes, command specialist, uh, played by Brian McNamara, who is a really hardworking actor. You probably recognize him if you saw him. He's on Army Wives. Mm. He was in Arachnophobia. He was in The Flamingo Kid. Uh, He's been around. Handsome young man. Yeah, the, the the one you might recognize is uh, uh, Duncan Rieger. Well, I was going to get to them, but he's no, he's yeah. not part of the original crew. He's someone no. they pick up afterwards. Uh, let's get to the kids first. Mm. Uh, let's see. We have uh, in charge of space medicine, <laughs> which, which is gets name checked in the credits. Mm. Which is hilarious. Uh, is Julia Montgomery? Uh, Julia Montgomery Pl- is playing, one of those uh, playing Sally. Julia Montgomery is one of those actors who you see her and you're just like, where do I know her? <laughs> yeah, I know her, her from something. something yeah. uh, and uh, she was in Revenge of the Nerds. She played like one of the lead. Uh, she played the lead sorority sister. Mm, Betty, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's where you probably know her from. Um, she's uh, she's well, she's a doctor. She cares about people, and that's going to be really important. Mm, well, she she's um, yeah. Another thing, they all have ethics, mm-hmm. and she she has this uh, good ethical conundrum later in the the pilot. Yeah. But yeah, uh, let's see. We've got to, we already mentioned Jesse Beanstalk, who's their mm-hmm. computer science officer. He's played by Jason Micus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's very young. He is very intelligent. He has been pushing himself as hard as he possibly can for forever. Like you can tell, he's mm-hmm. like he's kind gonna of have burned, a panic attack kind of one of these out, days. Yeah. Uh, but for now, like, he's just, he's preternaturally gifted, and there's a girl on the ship who has a crush on, he doesn't know what to do, and they get a lot of mileage off of that. Uh, the, uh, Tom Paris of the ship... Oh, God. ...is that, that Huxley is, Wells. Yeah, that is to say, uh, the one that we're supposed, that the teenage girls are supposed to have a poster of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's Huxley Wells, played by Tom Bresnahan, who, mm. um... Another hardworking actor who's been around for a bit, but uh, I know him best from Ski School, <laughs> as the hunk from Ski School. Uh, Ski School is one of those movies, like, there was, like, a sex romp oh, from, God, like, I, 1990. I just looked up Tom Bresnahan's uh, IMDb profile, and the, the 8x10 glossy they have right by oh, his no. picture. It it's looks, like, he's in a V-neck shirt and a black coat and these, like, shadowy pa- Oh, gosh, it's amazing. It, it, it looks like the cover of a solo album from the early 90s. It's great. <laughs> uh, but, anyway, Ski School, 1990-ish. Mm. Uh it's got like a couple of really tacked on sex scenes, like they were trying to make it for Skinamax, but the actual rest of the movie is actually quite funny. Like yeah, it's actually surprisingly one of, well written. One of the uh, one of the the highlights of Dean Cameron's career. Yeah, he's really really good in it. Mm. Uh, and then there's a couple other crew persons, but the main person who I was just really excited to see here uh, is uh, the psychiatrist Leland Eugene, played by Bruce Harwood from The Lone Gunman. That's right. Yeah, he was uh, Lang Langley. No, not Lang. Like Langley's the the Byers. No, Byers is the old one. It was uh, no Frohicky was the old one. Oh, Frohicky, he was Langley. You're Langley. Right, my bad. Yeah, mm. so it's Langley. So, so Langley's in this, and he plays the uh, psychiatrist who is 
clearly supposed to be the one who's betraying them all because he's a total dick. But, but it, actually, that's the red herring, and he's actually just a dick. <laughs> which I appreciate. Yeah. It's like, that. why are you acting like such a dick? Well, I'm just a dick. Yeah. Can't, can't a character just be a dick? Like, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm in charge yeah. of the psychology of every... You know what he is? He's a psychologist from Miracle on 34th Street. He's, like, kind of a dick about it. Like, he's weird that he oh, didn't yeah, yeah. have this job. Like, maybe yeah. he's he's not the right person for it, but... But uh, there's also Duncan Rieger, who I mentioned already. I also want to uh, give a shout-out right away to... Is it Peter Donat? Pe- uh, yeah. Yeah, Peter Donat. Uh, a hardworking actor. He played uh, Mulder's dad on the X-Files. Mm. Most importantly, he played Mordecai Zombie, the main antagonist from the TV series Time Tracks. Oh, he was like the bad guy with the like time travel machine. Well, I, I have fun memories of it. I can't say I like it. It could suck now, but I watched it a lot as a teenager and he was like the main bad guy on time oh. tracks. They also have a ship's computer uh, named Priscilla. She's mm. voiced by Lynette Metty. Uh, Priscilla is a ship's computer and they talk to her all the time and they ask her to look things up. But she mm. actually has a full fledged personality because they just downloaded the personality of the daughter of the scientist who invented the ship. Mm-hmm. And she's horny. She flirts with all of the hot young studs. Especially and Huxley. She, and, like and she's she, really got a thing for Huxley. She like has this kind of breathy, sexy voice. She's really going like, for a Kathleen Turner kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like and then and, and, and Huxley is just like he's actually off put by this. He's like getting sexually harassed on the bridge mm-hmm. all the time. And he's just like, Can we not? I mean, like, yeah. it's just like like, yeah. oh, I see it's your birthday tomorrow, Huxley. What do you want for your birthday? Oh, I'm good, Priscilla. I'll surprise you. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> Why is my chair vibrating? I thought you needed a massage. <laughs> it's like, oh God, God, this is bad. Which is interesting because like he's the one who's who's introduced as the total sleaze. Like there's Aww. a bit where they're all like saying goodbye to everyone they ever knew. And because all the cast is really young and because like it looks like it was all filmed at like either Disney World or like the San Diego at, at, Convention Center it, it, or something it was, like that. It was Epcot. I think it yeah. was filmed at Epcot Center. Yeah, which g- good production value, actually. Mm. Like it looks futuristic. They film it from good angles. Doesn't always look like mm. Disneyland. Um, but uh, he's the one who's like saying goodbye to all of his like 12 girlfriends. Mm. And to have it turned back around on him feels like kind of poetic justice. Um. You could have a sleazy character and just have him flirt with all the women and just be a sleaze and try to make jokes out of it, but that's not fun. Not, I like that it's me, the computer, but, yeah. though. I like, the computer is the sleaze well, makes the, it kind of funny. Well, and that, and that she's making the sleaze uncomfortable. That's my so, point. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what that's, makes it poetic justice. There's that's this kind of funny. Yeah, weird bit of mild intelligence going into this yeah. writing. Uh, so the main thing that happens after they, they get out of Earth's orbit, uh, they get past the asteroid field, and then there's... They, they hit space debris on the way out. Like, we mm. put so many satellites up in the sky, there's junk everywhere. And uh, one of the airlocks is busted, and the captain goes to check it out. Uh, get, probably should have delegated stuck, that authority, yeah. and he gets stuck there, and he gets shot out into space, and the last thing he screens before he dies, which is pretty intense, for especially for a kid's show on Disney, uh, is uh, don't stop the mission, keep going. Mm. And so they decide to do so, and... One of the first things they do is they encounter a spaceship that had gone out before them and had legendarily gone missing. Hmm. And on that spaceship, they find Duncan Regeer. Duncan Regeer. A.K.A. Okay, Dracula. <laughs> yeah, if you ever saw the Monster Squad, he's Dracula. Um, he's a good Dracula. He's a legitimately scary Dracula. 
And here mm-hmm. he's the um, he. I love that they don't make him captain. He was, he was also in V and and yeah. um, a, few, a few other things you might have seen. Wizards he, and Warriors. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, we covered him in Wizards and Warriors. Mm-hmm. He was the bad guy. Um, Duncan Regeer is this grizzled like he was. Um, he was like marooned basically. Yeah. And he picked him up. He's got a big beard and he's all surly and he doesn't understand why all these kids are doing stuff. Turns out he used to date the real Priscilla and she remembers him. <laughs> and so that's kind of funny. Um, big coincidence, but whatever. It's the first episode. I'm willing to let it slide. And again, we, we're already. Uh, I, I complained when we were reviewing Firefly that I want to be left at the end of the pilot with the premise. Yeah. This one starts with the premise. Yeah, right off the bat. So we're, it's not like we're we're waiting for things to settle in. I I have a good sense of whoever all these characters are and what the the mission is and what the premise is right away. Yeah. So when we when we meet Duncan Rieger, I know he's not going to be the new captain. He's not going to be like some sort of mm. he's not the guiding force of this of the series. And I'm grateful because yeah. seriously, if he just became captain, that would be so conventional yeah like the whole point of killing like, okay, off the now, old captain a, the young guy should be captain yeah but now, now you have a rogue captain but the whole point yeah the whole point is kids are doing this and they, yeah. they're the ones that, in over so, their heads so Duncan Regeer is basically and I wish I knew how to pronounce his name exactly but uh, R-E-G-E-H-R maybe it is Regeer I've been saying Regeer Duncan Regeer is to Earth Star Voyager what like Wolverine is to the X-Men <laughs> yeah. don't put him in charge mm. but he's experienced and, and, and you don't want to you don't want a solo story. We want to see that yeah. kind of character interact with other people. Yeah, it's interesting to, to put him up against Sally because she's an idealist and he's lived like such, he's, he's been marooned in space for like six years. Mm. So it's interesting to put him with Beanstalk because here's this fourteen year old kid who's all idealism and has mm. never really had a problem he couldn't solve. And I've been marooned in space for six goddamn years, mm. you bastard. So he's he's very very fun. Um, what they discover very quickly is that the ship is being pursued. Right. And there was a civil war of sorts. We don't get a lot of details about it in the not too distant past. So there are some people out in space, some space well, which, stations which out in space. We see in a, like a little intro. Yeah. Like yeah. a little intro, but not a lot. So there are some like antagonists out in space mm. and they are on a couple of space stations. So Duncan Regeer is trying to make sure they're actually able to fend for themselves because there are no weapons on the ship. They didn't put them on there. There's stuff there they could build weapons if they want to take a few months to do that. Yeah. Golly, I like that. Yeah. Um, um, something I really appreciate about the movie Alien, and also Alien Three for that matter, is yeah. they don't have they can't. They're not a bunch of fighters. Yeah, they're people alien, who are unprepared. Yeah, they're just they're they're my, like hauling freight. You know, they're not yeah. d- aliens they, on the ship. What do we got? Well, we got blow torches. Okay, yeah. that's what we've got. That's, yeah, so we and, don't have a gun, and, and like, they don't have blow tor- they, as tools. You know, to like mm-hmm. heat heat up rocks or whatever. Yeah, they or to seal do with them. off areas of the ship if there's like mm-hmm. a leak or something. That's not like, to fight off bad guys. You know, yeah, um, that's one of the things I love about Alien is that mm-hmm. Ridley Scott made the ship feel very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there to be presentable. Yeah. It wasn't there to impress anybody and it wasn't there to kill mm. it was a truck yeah it was a truck in space something i appreciated about deep space nine when they first got on there it's like okay fire face well wait this is a space station space stations <laughs> don't have like phasers <laughs> it's a station it's just gonna be the same place it's yeah. just a house yeah. <laughs> floating around yeah <laughs> it's a mall in can, space can, can we move the station no it's a station <laughs> as in stationary <laughs> But we're so used to these yeah. very familiar things. We're so used to like seeing captains in spaceships saying fire phases yeah, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And they're just like, okay, 
let's run. That's what we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Duncan Regeer is able to like build a rail gun out of like various parts, but they basically just say like, that's basically like throwing a rock at him. It's yeah. like, would you rather have a rock or not have a rock? And they're like, <laughs> All right, we'll take the rock, I guess. Yeah. But so they're being chased out in space. Uh, they're all getting to know each other. And at some point they find out that <laughs> their phys ed instructor. <laughs> oh God, the phys ed stuff. There's, oh my God, it's amazing. Okay, okay. So cause, because health is important in space, mm. there's someone on the ship whose only job is to look after everyone's physical well-being, not as or, a doctor, just to keep them exercising. Because, well, I mean, which makes sense when you're in zero gravity because you yeah. actually need to keep your muscles moving because your muscles will atrophy if you don't yeah. move around because there's no gravity. To, you're not using your muscles at all. There is gravity, um, but even so, here, here you're doing gra- stationary jobs. You they're know, doing stationary know. jobs, but this is the part. Oh, I said there's like a Misty Monday. This is where the Misty Monday stuff comes through. Yeah. Look up Misty Monday. She's a, a queen of soft core. She's actually a really wonderful actress. Well, but what's um, the one she did was like Playmate of the Apes. Playmate of the Apes. That movie is one of the most surreal cinematic it's, it's, experiences. It's You'd fucking think- bonkers. You think it's supposed to be sexy. It's not There's, sexy. Like, for, for, it's just weird. For for a 90-minute film that's 80% nudity and sex scenes, it is not sexy at all. No, yeah, it's like it this is, weird art. Like, Warhol would have loved it. Yeah, and it, and it ends with, like, a nude rap. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's so fucking it's, it's the dumbest shit. And, uh, oh, it's the weirdest shit. Seek out Playmate of the Apes. If you're, if you're over 18, yeah, yeah. seek out Playmate of the Apes because it is, like, one it, of the most bizarre softcore pornos so in the world. It's so surreal. And I'd include, like, that musical Alice in Wonderland. It in should there. have a cult. Uh, it really should. I don't think mm. it does but it should yeah yeah and, and misty monday was in like eight of those things yeah but yeah the the workout scenes the phys ed instructor i f- suspect their job is just to keep everybody hot like, <laughs> like we're not we're not there to look after your well-being we're there to make sure you got like nice oily pecs and like nice yeah. firm buttocks and the device they have weightlifting to keep to stay in shape but because I think they didn't want to strain the actors, they come up with a sci-fi device. They have little, like, grav packs that they attach to the palms of their hands. It looks like a metal simula- stigmata. That, yeah, that simulate what it's like to lift weight. So we have a lot of people miming weightlifting. Yeah, there's multiple scenes in this, in this three-hour pilot. There's at least, like, four or five scenes where various characters, pretty much everyone gets a turn in the gym at some point, mm-hmm. just with dumb-looking things on their hands, just pushing their hands out, we're going, Ugh! Mm-hmm. Ugh! and they're all doing it together, and it looks ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There, You can fake weights. Mm-hmm. You can just make them out of plastic, and just they'll still be faking it. Uh-huh. I understand you don't want to hurt your actors by making them do 500 mm-hmm. reps just to get the scene, mm-hmm. but... Boy, does it look silly. It looks, it looks ridiculous. I mean, you can make, like, f- like styrofoam weights and paint them silver so it looks like they're lifting here's, a heavy here's weight. Here's what you do. Like, you get a rod. You get one metal rod, mm. and then you stick, like, little blinky things at the end. Okay. Then I'm with you. Then there's something for them to actually interact with, and it's just, like, the faster they blink or, like, the brighter mm. the red color is or something like that, that's mm. how you know it's super heavy. Mm. I just... it. <laughs> they overthought this one. They really did. I don't know why. Did they just There's, like did the did the props not get delivered that the, day? Is that what happened? And this is just their workaround. One of my favorite exchanges was, uh, you know, these are all like the brightest of the bright. These kids, and one of them doesn't want to work out. So one of my favorite exchanges is in the gym, and somebody says, hey, "Aren't you worried about letting your body go?" He says, "I let my body go wherever it wants to. It's the thing carrying my brain around." Oh, that's Duncan Regeer. Yeah. 
okay. Duncan yeah. Rigger said that. Yeah. Okay. He's got a lot of good lines in this. Mm. Um, so uh, so they get away from the from the initial guy, but they're still being chased, and they don't know by who, and it's all mysterious. And mm. it turns out that their phys ed instructor is the guy who killed the captain and put another uh, crew member in a coma. Uh, mm. So they thought it was going to be the obviously evil Hannibal Lectory psychologist turns out was the fitted instructor that everyone made jokes about how he was too dumb to do anything else on the ship mm. which really is a shitty thing to do like i remember first time i heard someone say like he's a fitted instructor because he's stupid and i'm just like huxley <laughs> the fuck you're gonna be stuck with this guy for like 50 years you're gonna get started on that note you fucking asshole like what are you, no, they're, they're young they don't know any better they're, they're, they do though they, that's actually, true everyone else they're really polite to and clearly it's just a way to just sort of make the audience not think much of this guy while still calling enough attention to him that when it's revealed it's that guy, we go, oh, that guy? No, this is pretty well written, isn't it? It's not bad! Yeah, they like thought out these little moments and put in like the character work. It yeah. was nice. So uh, there's a big fight with that guy. He gets sucked out the airlock again. The twice in the pilots kind of a lot they got no gag. weapons how else are they gonna kill somebody i just there's a they could have come up with something else <laughs> they yeah, really could so. have they could have thrown someone in an engine they could have like there's stuff they could have done mm. maybe that would have been too gruesome but in any case he gets sucked out of an airlock and it seems like everything okay but he was working for somebody and it turns out he was working for uh who's the guy peter donat or peter donat mordecai yeah. zombie yeah who basically we keep cutting to him like if you ever watched the original battlestar galactica and we would keep cutting back to Gaius Baltar, like in a oh, throne yeah, yeah, room. Oh, yeah, the, the Lauren Green character. Uh, no, not Lauren Green. Lauren he was the captain. No, it's uh, oh yeah, the, um, the guy who was just an errand the, of mercy. The, the bad guy, Gaius Baltar. Gaius Baltar. Just the like, fuck was his name? I'm gonna look it up. So <laughs> who played Gaius Baltar? Hold on, here we go. Uh, battle, just star. Just like look I'm looking this up. Damn it, right, Gaius Baltar actor. Yeah, the original Gaius Baltar. Hold on, this is. I, we were just talking <laughs> about him. John Colicos. Ah, John Colicos. We kept yeah. cut, so, like, so our heroes are in Battlestar Galactica are cha- flying across the universe, and every once in a while we cut to the enemy ship, and it's just John Colicos in a throne room saying, Bring me the Galactica! And they're like, yeah, okay. And I try to do that. And so we keep cutting back to this evil guy, but we don't know what his scheme is. And he looks evil because he's played by Peter Todad. And, and, like, yeah. and like, unlike our like glistening white ship, the Earth Star Voyager, his ship is all like... I guess they're trying to save money on lights, so it's, like, really dark okay. for no reason. <laughs> uh, they end up stopping. They get, like, another... Uh, uh, they get another distress call. This is episode two. This is basically episode yeah. two. Is this the part where they where they catch up to the radio waves in space? Yes. That's actually a really great moment. Yeah, so there's, ha- there's a bit where, uh, yeah, they, they start picking up some radio waves, and uh, it turns out they find radio waves from the 1950s that were broadcast from Earth. So yeah. they're hearing, like, a radio station playing, like, doo-wop hits. And there's this really nice, and it's actually a nice moment, because there's this moment of discovery, and this is their history as well. Like, they get to relive history all of a sudden, mm-hmm. while they're as far away from Earth as practically anyone's ever been. And they get to dance, and they've been through so much, and it actually works... It should be silly. It works. It, it works pretty that. well, yeah. Here's where it gets silly. We end up on a space station mm. where it's or, where it's, it, what, 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 it's, it's like basically Thunderdome. Yeah, it's turned into like cage fighting. And yeah. The, yeah, and there's it's this, like this really weird fight cult. Really <laughs> ridiculous like... fight cult leader <laughs> who's like speaks in these weird poetic pronouncements and they and all by get involved. Sheer 
fucking doodah luck. Mm. It's Sally's brother mm. who had betrayed uh, Duncan Regeer uh, on his own ship, the years, like the Vanguard. And I, I don't even remember how he ended up out there. Was was he on Duncan Regeer's ship? Yeah. Yeah, he okay, was just like yeah. a second in command. That's right. That's he right, betrayed right, right. him. He was working with Peter Donat. He betrayed him. They took over mm-hmm. the ship. And now... I, it's, Somehow it's, he's on a space station yeah, leading a fight Fill in the cult. blank. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Now Quir- I'm in charge of a fight cult <laughs> on a space station. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they end up on this ship. They're all, like, caged up. in like ba- it, it looks like that scene from AI where they're destroying all the robots but without any cool robots. <laughs> Everyone looks dressed kind of dumb, and of course, Duncan Regeer has to fight this dude to the death, and he doesn't, but then they, like, beat him up, mm-hmm. and they all run away. And this takes a long time. Um, the whole section, this whole section, is really quite silly. But mm-hmm. what I do like about it is that it establishes, if this had gone on to a series... Where we could go. Because one of the problems with the show is that the ship is supposed to go further into space. And farther away from other people. Yeah, yeah. than ever before. Mm. So the idea is other people have gone into space. And they've gone a little daffy. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to run into a bunch of weirdos in space. The other thing that they keep bringing up, and they bring it up so often that I have to think they were going to do something with it. Mm is the possibility of alien life, which they have not run into yet. No, and... Um, okay, if you're going to have aliens in mm-hmm. your show, and this is this is a problem, one of the many problems I had with the Star Lost, mm. was they ran into an alien, and it was sort of a big deal on the Star Lost. And then after that, they started running into aliens, and it didn't feel like a big deal anymore. Right. Like, you th- the, the first, so, like... It's not like, oh, we met an alien. Oh, another mm. alien. Fuck off. We don't care. Like, no, if, it would still be interesting. If, if, if you meet an alien and you've established that this is a show without alien life, that's the one episode you get to have an alien. Maybe you get a return, like, in a later season of that same alien or, or like, a member of that same species. I think what would have to happen like, They can't is, become, like, a big part of the show. I think it could, though. Here's what you got to do. Okay. Here's what you got to do. Once we run, Once we get far enough into space... Mm. That we were out of humans, that's where we ran into an alien. There, yeah. But that, here's the deal: now basically we're flying through their country. Well, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, uh, then that, that, it's okay if, to make them the purpose if it's the of the pre- season. Yeah, if it's the premise of the show or the premise of a whole season, that's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's the, my point. This was another problem I also had with uh, Red Dwarf. I didn't really the, watch the, Red the, Dwarf. the first few seasons of Red Dwarf. They are alone, and that's the point. Uh, um, Red Dwarf takes place two million years in the future. There's sort of this like slacker slugabed who uh, you know breaks a rule on the ship. He gets thrown into hypersleep, and then there's a big accident that reduces everybody t- uh, to radioactive ash, and he's not allowed out of hypersleep until the radiation has died down. Turns out that takes two million years. Mm. So he wakes up, and he's the essentially the only human left in the whole galaxy. The only person uh, he has for company is uh, the ship's cat has somehow evolved into a human. Yeah. And uh, his roommate, who he hates, is now a hologram, and that's the cast of the show and the compu- right. and the talking computer. Yeah, and they're completely alone, and the isolation is driving them crazy, and that's a, the premise of the show. Huge cult yeah. hit uh, yeah. in in England. Some people in America mm. know it, but it never quite became a thing here. There are no aliens in this universe until like maybe season five, and then they just start showing up all over the place. Mm. Like maybe they'll run into like one rogue alien here and there. But you got the idea that they were sort of isolated mm. 
it, I think it kind of hurt the show when they were just sort of running into aliens on the regular. Well, again, you know, you, after a while, you start running out of ideas and you want what to you can do with, yeah, with a so cast like, of four. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I understand feeling the need to, you know, there's mm. a bad way to do that because an Oliver syndrome. Yeah. Uh, if you're young and don't know what we're talking about, uh, the Brady Bunch. You probably heard of the Brady Bunch. Mm. Uh, mom with three daughters, dad with three sons. They get married. It's a big blended family. Uh, and they all had a series of sitcom adventures. And after multiple seasons of that, <laughs> they kind of ran out of material. And so they were like, okay, what do we do? How do we shake up this dynamic? And they added a cousin Oliver. Mm. Like, and just this guy, this little kid who's just here. And he's just like, I know you're here to give us storylines, but you're giving us nothing, Oliver. I, mm. You're like seven on Married with Children. <laughs> and just All of a sudden, Married with Children, they have another kid. Mm. And then they gave up on him like after like half a season. They never even explained what happened to him. He's, He's just, just gone. gone. Yeah. It's hilarious. That's mm. like the funniest thing that happened with that mm. whole character <laughs> is the fact that he just disappears mm. and this horrible, disgusting family never looks for him. <laughs> He's just gone. <laughs> No, the horrible discuss like that that shows a satire. Oh, so I it's, know. It's, it kind of works with that show, but um, I haven't gone back and revisited Married with Children in a long time. I'm I don't kind know. of scared too. I, I yeah. think it would probably mostly be in poor taste. Uh, you think? Yeah, I think I think a show that wouldn't work. A show that was like deliberately sexist in like yeah. the late '80s. You think would I, wouldn't I play very well today? I think there'd probably be a couple of good episodes, but for the like because there's a few that are just so bitter. I imagine the bitterness would still play today. Like the episode of Married with Children with Sam Kinison, the Christmas episode. Oh, he plays an imaginary creature? Okay, or? and this is one. I haven't revisited this in a while, but I always love the setup of it. Uh, it's Christmas, and the Bundys are miserable because, of course, they are. Al, I think, falls off a roof trying to put up lights, mm. if memory serves, but he, he injures himself in some way. And, uh, or he's going to. And, and Sam Kinison shows up. And he's the angel from It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. And he's going to okay. show Al, okay, you you hate your life. You want to get rid of it. You want to die. Uh, here's what would happen if you were never born. Ha! Mm. We'll show you. And it turns out everyone's super happy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone in his family is super happy, popular, successful, intelligent, straight-laced, just the best. And Sam Kinison's just like, well, I fucked that one up. I'll never get my wings. And Al's just like, no, I want to live. Why? Because fuck, fuck those, those guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be happier without me to hell with them. I'm going to stay here just so I can make the world a more miserable place. Uh, yeah. Pure bitterness. <laughs> just out of spite. That's that's like I for me. I will continue like, living out of spite. That plot point is the best that show ever got. Okay. It's just that one bit. I don't, I don't necessarily want to revisit anymore. I think that's as good as it got. Um, I completely forget how we got here well, well, well aliens <laughs> so oh, aliens, aliens. aliens. Right. the point was <laughs> you, you introduce you introduce a new wrinkle and so either have aliens or don't or yeah. introduce aliens and stick with them but they talk about the possibility of meeting aliens quite a few times yeah so i feel like they're setting us up that when we do meet aliens at some point later in the series they've laid the groundwork and it doesn't come from out of nowhere mm. but we don't do it in the pilot what we do do in the pilot is we run it <laughs> Doo doo. Well, we <laughs> what do you ate? I've been cooped up in my apartment for so long. Mm. Um, what we do run into is there's another derelict ship, and it's actually Duncan Regeer's ship, and he wants to he wants to extract the flight logs mm -hmm. to prove that the ship that he was on that was famously like destroyed in space wasn't his fault. 
<laughs> like right, he was taking right, over. Right, he's, yeah. he's, out of just pure, just like damn it, just for me. I want the I want history to know that I didn't screw this one up. There was a bunch of evil bastards on my ship. But when they're on the ship, that's when they find a fucking cyborg. Uh, a, a legit straight up Borg uh, yeah. that has been a, a human that has been assimilated, just like on Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, now he has been assembled by aliens. He's mm. that humans did that to him, mm. but that's what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they call it, what is it, a sheath? A, she- uh, uh, sh- a sleeve? Uh, something like that. Oh, is it, is it a sleeve? No, it's. Um, um, they, they have shit. A, what do they call that? Thing? They, they have a name for the Borg in this universe. Yeah, um, I forget what they call it. Oh, I'm going to look this up, but you tell people, right. people more about it. Let's see uh, well, find. yeah, they, they just, they find this guy, and uh, I think it's Duncan Regeer who says, oh, I know these things, they're they're just killing machines. Just like yeah. the Borg. There's so much the Borg, I wonder if Star Trek ripped off this. A shell. A shell, that's right. They call them the shell. Um, but yeah, they're very much like the Borg. They're like sort of programmed to be killing machines. Uh, they find one, and it's injured, and it's unconscious. Uh, luckily, they're moral enough people that they think... We can't just kill this thing. We have to help it. We have to help him. And um, so they bring it back on board. Uh, some would say foolishly, but you get the idea that these kids are smart enough to know the difference between being dumb and being helpful. Okay. And the the, the uh, shell, the shelf, the shell mm. is played by uh, a stuntman named Henry Kingy. Okay. Who has been in everything. Oh, well, if he's a stuntman, then yeah. No, but like going back to like the set, he's still working. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, like he was just in Venom. Like, <laughs> All right. But like you'll see it. Like what do we got here? He was in uh, he was in Cleopatra Jones. Uh, oh, wow. He was in All Earthquake. Right. Oh, he looked a lot younger. I guess this was 88. Yeah, so I that wasn't so like long his, ago, yeah, he was but, young yeah. when he was doing that. He was, uh, uh, what was he? He was in The Sword and the Sorcerer, which is awesome. He was in To Live and Die in L.A. He was in FX. He was in the A-Team. He was a stunt driver. He wow. was in They Live. Okay. He was, he was uh, Hans's stunt double in Die Hard. Hans Gruber's stunt double? No, Hans okay. Berenger, one of the other ones. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of Hanses. Uh, <laughs> he was in Memories of Invisible Man. He was in Hook. He was in Patriot Games. <laughs> All right. He was in Batman Returns. Like, well, look, look at this. Look at this guy. Like, some people have the interest. He was in Fast Five, mm-hmm. Captain America: Civil War. Just holy shit. If, if it's like voice acting, it's yeah. like you find that niche. Uh, I got to interview uh, actor A. Martinez at one point, and. Um, I, I was looking over his filmography. It's like you did, were in a lot of westerns. Like when you were first starting out, he's like, "Yeah, I knew how to ride a ride a horse." Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know how to ride a horse. They're going to call you up for every single of westerns. Like, oh well, that makes perfect sense. So yeah, he he had a talent. But anyway, the I like the board guy, um, and I like their attitude toward the board guy because mm-hmm. he's scary. He's a scary killer monster, and their first instinct is, "We well, need to help this guy." Uh, well, everyone with Duncan Rigger. Doug yeah. Regeer is like, we should probably kill this thing. And everyone else is like, well, what they find out is that he hasn't like had his brain replaced with the computer entirely. He can feel pain. And yeah. in fact, that's all he can feel. So Sally wants to bring him back on the ship and actually like find a way to help him. Mm. And they actually find, I, I, it's interesting, they find uh, a, a way to keep tension going even after that. Because it turns out uh, he's full of explosives. They're basically right. bringing he's... a bomb onto yeah, the yeah. ship in the hopes that the bomb like, can be like placated. <laughs> he's like, we can maybe mm. make friends with the bomb. And he has a few moments when he's like incapacitated and he's actually talking to Sally and you realize just what a tragic, horrible thing has happened to this guy. But then he wakes up. 
And that's that shot I was telling like, you about like, with Lala yeah, Schiffer, like, which just gets up off of the table. Just a dude yeah. moving his arm. That's it. Just a scary ass scene. And Lala Schiffer just sells it. And then he just starts walking around the ship, breaking everything. And he breaks Priscilla. He destroys mm. Priscilla. And she's screaming in terror. <laughs> it's actually frightening because we've come to like Priscilla. I mean, she's an AI. Mm. And they are able to fix her. Thank goodness. But she's scared. That's something you don't see a lot. Like, we've been watching a lot of Star Trek for mm. our, uh, all our yesterday's podcast on Patreon. People are, like, terrified a lot. There's never, like, an alien on the ship, and Kirk is just like, Get away! Don't hurt me! Don't oh, hurt me! Like, it happens a lot. Like, in Charlie X, they raced somebody's face. And, but, like, oh, but not Kirk, not the protagonist. Not the protagonist. That's yeah. the protagonist De- Devil in the stalwart. Dark. De- Devil in the Dark, there's plenty of guys going, Ah! It's like a shadow fills the, the screen. But it's different when it's like, you know, for lack of a better word, a red shirt. Just someone who comes on just to be mm. scared. And when your protagonists are genuinely afraid for their lives. And Priscilla mm. is a protagonist. She's yeah. got a personality. She's a person. As, as I said at the start, I like how earnest this program is and yeah. how scared the actual main cast is. I think that lends a lot of drama. Yeah. And then uh, the shell gives them information about what the bad guys are up to. And it turns out mm. what the bad guys are up to is something called... The Assembly. And The Assembly, I'll be honest here, is some kind of stupid Robotech shit. It's, uh, it's kind of, kind of doesn't, I, I, it, ideally, the, doesn't really work. In, in, in short, it's just about taking over the, sh- taking over the ship and. They're trying to steal yeah. the Earth Star Voyager and they're trying to attach other ships they have in space to it to create basically like a dreadnought. Right. They just want this like ultimate badass ship. The Earth Star the Earth Star Voyager doesn't have weapons. They're gonna add the weapons to it, but what Earth Star Voyager has is the most powerful propulsion system in the galaxy. Or in all creation. They wanna create they wanna create a big killer weapon ship and uh ensure the it's it's more like a genetic like a eugenics thing. He wants to ensure the survival of certain people and not others. And yeah, like you know, only so that's why like he actually like wants to make peace with the kids in the Earth Star Voyager because I mean look, it's basically Starship Troopers, like I said. They're yeah, yeah, yeah. they're basically like these cherubic mega hunks in space. There is a kind of you know, there's a propaganda element to that mm. where they're 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 the best of us and they're all white. Well um, yeah. I, I'm I I wonder if uh Parvo, Paul Verhoeven communicated that to his cast when he was making Starship Troopers. That like, was a propaganda I, film? Like, I'm I'm casting you because you look like you're impossibly good-looking and you look kind of empty. I need you to play these parts <laughs> really empty, like Casper Van Dien. And, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I've never like, actually... Like, I wonder how he directed them. I'd be interested to know. I interviewed Casper Van Dien once, but it wasn't about Starship Troopers. It mm-hmm. didn't come up, so I kind of regret that. Now. I got to interview a Casper Van Dien once, too. Oh, that's cool. It's for a, a horror film he was in called... I think it was called The Pact. Oh, I remember that yeah. kind of yeah. Um So, anyway, uh, mm. in order to stop but, the assembly, mm. uh, again, they don't have weapons, but what they do is they reconfigure the solar panels on the ship to reflect light rather than absorb it and to do so in such a way that it would amplify into a giant laser. Clever. Clever. They can only do it from one angle. They only have one shot at it, and... Mm. That's kind of cool because there's a tick, there's a ticking clock. Yeah, the bad guys talking to them and they're trying to assemble all of these things while they're distracting the bad guys. He's doing his whole con speech basically. Mm. Um, it's suspenseful. Yeah, it works. Yeah. 
it's fine. And then they um, destroy the thing, and the bad guy gets away. Presumed to come back another yeah, time. Can't but... kill the bad guy. Uh, no, uh, not, and, not and the first episode. And the cyborg uh, has a change of heart and understands that human beings are okay and decides not to kill them all. Doesn't the cyborg die, though? He, he's sacrificing himself. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. at one point, he's gone. He's not going to be yeah, part yeah. of the cast. Shame, though. Could have been an interesting member of the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the Earth Star Voyager is traveling off. And I like the ending of this miniseries feels final without finishing their story because what happens is well, the, the voyage has to continue right the voyage, has, the, the voyage is going to go on for about 50 years mm-hmm. you know both ways uh but and clearly it could continue clearly there are things they could do mm-hmm. adventures they could get into and look, other things they could run into you, but you could run this for a couple seasons get to demeter and then the rest of the series is going back yeah you could you could get to you could seriously you could go for a few seasons take a break Mm. And then recast everyone and come back. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> but um, the finale that they have, without actually just getting there and showing everybody in their 50s or whatever, getting to this fucking thing, um, is they find like like Hubble footage, basically, of Demeter. Mm. And they see conclusively that it is definitely Earth-like and capable of supporting life, and their mm. mission is not doomed. Yeah. But their mission has a happy ending. They're just not there yet. <laughs> it'll, take right. them, it'll take them a generation to get there, and they have plenty of time. But it leaves you with a sense of hope and yeah. that they're going to keep on going. Yeah. So uh, Earth Star Voyager is pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. And yeah. I, I, I'm, here's the thing. Uh, it it stopped here. It had th- essentially three episodes mm, uh, that, that were kind of crammed together as one gigantic mega pilot. You yeah. actually didn't need all three of these to establish everything. Like I said, no, it was we, all established. The, the Fight Club the, thing is kind of filler. You really didn't. You could uh, skip yeah, that one altogether, right? Well, but if that, if there was like a Fight Club episode, yeah, uh, where they just sort of land on this weird station and it's a Fight Club. That's a fine episode, right? Sure. I'm just sort saying. Of like, like a, a little bit of an aside. I'm just saying that one really wasn't necessary to set everything up. The mm. other three episodes that we got basically mm. or would have been enough. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But they're very dense. Mm. Uh, so we, we've essentially gotten a few episodes of the show. I'm going to say it was canceled too soon. I would love to see more of it. Same. But at the same time, we got four good episodes. And I think that in sort of packaging them as this gigantic supra pilot and it's edited well enough that they kind of flow into one another pretty pretty well yeah there's a couple the of like fight know, club stuff maybe notwithstanding but there's um, a couple of like dissolves that dissolve bag you know it's mm. tv but place yeah, yeah. yeah um i think i'm good with what we got i think they yeah. actually did a pretty good if as a miniseries i think it's a pretty good miniseries it stands alone yeah. it stands alone if you wanted it to and if you wanted to continue it there's plenty of places to go but but as a as a series i think this is really good because they did a really good job of establishing all the all these characters it's a good uh, kind of it has a good serious tone without feeling like the exploitation movie that I think it might have been written as. Yeah, I think you know a lot of the gym scenes, especially. It's oh, like, so you, silly. You gotta, you gotta work, work on your bodies, <laughs> make your make your buttocks better. You know, it's like <laughs> that's a little pervy, but uh, yeah. apart not from, nearly as pervy as it could have gotten. No, no, no. no, no it's, just, it's just it's just a little yeah, a little beefcake a, for a, everybody. A, yeah, and you know what. 
little beefcake is fine. Everyone can handle a little beefcake. It's not nearly as bad as, do you remember that scene in, in Star Trek The Next Generation where Dr. Crusher and Commander and, and Counselor Troy are just sort of like working out together? Vaguely. And like talking about boys. Vaguely. And they're wearing these like unbelievably ridiculous early 90s spandex workout outfits and they do things like put their feet together and do the splits and kind of like uh-huh. grind on each other a little bit. It's like yeah. the... It's, ringing a it's bell. like the most awkward stuff. Yeah. Just, any yeah. any movie in the 80s, any movie could just pause for aerobics. Well, I mean, you that's just that was it. the thing. Oh, yeah. no, it was the thing. It was a popular exercise. Look up the movie Perfect. Well, maybe don't look up the movie yeah, perfect, perfect at some perfect. point. Perfect sucks. Per- uh, <laughs> perfect just makes you need a bath. For after. me, it's the ultimate gross. example is from Superman for the quest for peace. Where, like, seriously, <laughs> I don't need to see Clark Kent do aerobics. Mm-hmm. He's Superman. Like, there's never before has this been less necessary. Aerobics were the thing, man. There's there's horror movies based around aerobics. There's killer workout. There's Death Spa. Both of those are fun. Yeah. Death Spa is sublime. De- but De- killer workout's also really fun. Death Spa is is yeah, just one of the better cult movies out there. If you haven't seen Death Spa, oh my god, see Death Spa. <laughs> You will be so glad it's like, you saw death. Spa. It's a haunted it's a we- spa. Ha- a haunted spa, weird deaths and killings via workout equipment. Oh, it's amazing. Nudity galore. It's just got everything you need. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, this definitely could have gone on for a pretty damn long time. Mm-hmm. I What I actually regret that we didn't get, as much as I regret that we didn't get the whole show, mm-hmm. uh, I actually regret that it wasn't popular enough. Like, because... Clearly, the sets and stuff are like really spacious, and you can walk around. Mm. I feel like this could have been an attraction at Disneyland. <laughs> like you get to walk around the like Earth Star visit, Voyager, visit and maybe Star, get to like in... do a do a mock mission. Yeah. Okay, you're the engineer this time. You're the navigator. Mm. You're in space medicine. Oh, there you go. Um, they did that at Universal. Yeah, um, they actually had a, a Star Trek spectacular at Universal at one point, mm. where uh, they would call people up out of the audience. Put them in costumes, give them like five minutes or maybe a line or just mm. sort of things to do. Yeah. And just have them act out things on stage. They would be directed and the, at the end of it, it would be edited together into like a rudimentary VHS tape. See, I would have loved and, that as a kid. And of course, it was way, it's like $40 and 80s dollars of to get course, that VHS but tape. But yeah. It's an experience. It's something it was, you want. It was a fun experience. You yeah. didn't know if you were going to be called out of the, the audience. And even if you weren't, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that would have been great at Disneyland, where Super you get cool. to sort of act in Earth Star Voyager. Uh, this this miniseries was released on its own when, when on was... VHS in Europe. Okay, um, so you can still get that. It is available online. You don't even have to look very hard for it. For whatever reason, Disney has never put this thing out like officially. Hmm. In America, and it's a shame because there's nothing to be ashamed of on this. No, there's, there's a couple like... of goofy moments, but like it's good. Like yeah, I, I looked up the creators. It's not like they have like they committed murder or something. Yeah, like there's, there, there's no there's, reason. Like uh, yeah, there, there's nothing really offensive about this at all. In fact, it's all very innocent, sweet, and kind of intelligent. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that. You know, it is like I said. The premise is you know facing in the direction of porn, but it's really, really <laughs> tactful yeah. about the way they sort of deal with these young per- persons' romant- romantic lives and sexualities. Yeah. Beverly Hills in, in 90210 in space is not the worst idea in the world but if it, you're going to do it, it like this. But again, it's not even like soapy like that. Well, it actually the, feels more like lost in space. Well, my point is, is that they, if they could have had those storylines, there are whole... Mm. Listen, you want to... I understand there's a whole ton mm. of action and adventure in this pilot. Mm. If the series had progressed, 
you're going to do episodes where not a lot happens because there's enough characters mm-hmm. with enough character interacting and a lot of there's there's going to be slamming doors there's going to be missed communications there's mm-hmm. going to be romance in space i with this cast I wouldn't mind seeing that. It would be charming. Yeah. You know, like, it would be, I'm not saying it would be the most emotionally invested in it I've ever been, but I would have been entertained. So I think that's actually a good fallback point. I think every expensive show needs to have the capacity for cheap episodes mm. because otherwise you're just shooting yourself in the foot and make, I, I bet one of the reasons why this didn't take off is because it was super fucking expensive. It's really out. Yeah. That's so, that, well, and that's, that's a, that's an issue. Of course um, it is. That's a it, practical problem. It's that like there are shows that if they're made on the cheap enough, they don't need that big an audience to continue and they can just continue on pretty much indefinitely. Walker, yeah. Texas Ranger. It's like, how much do you think that cost? Apart from the overhead on Chuck Norris. Yeah. And the you're occasional not, you're, explosion. Yeah, like, you're not fine. spending a lot on like sets on that movie you're just yeah. going to the all the same western set over and over again so yeah apologies to walker texas rangers fans i'm sure it's far more nuanced than that uh <laughs> but uh, yeah the uh, unfortunately yeah if a show costs too much you can have the exact same size audience but it needs to be bigger to continue yeah, that's what that's the problem we ran into when we uh, yeah. reviewed almost almost human, human yeah it was just way it, it's a it's a very good show fucking awesome yeah show. um but uh, yeah, it was just it, really it was so it was so expensive to make that they essentially needed every single human being on the planet Earth to tune in. That's an exaggeration. To, well, but they course, needed they like needed, Game of Thrones numbers. They, they needed yeah gigantic they needed be, numbers to justify if, its existence. If they weren't in like the top five or ten shows mm. on television, they weren't going to exist. Yeah, and yeah. that's a terrible gamble. Mm. It's cool that we got a, a whole like se- it's like it was a mid season replacement, but mm. like. That we got like a whole half Thir- 13 season. 13 episodes of Almost Human. Of this yeah. really cool sci-fi show, Almost Human, about a cop and his robot partner. Michael Ely is like fucking phenomenal in that show. Mm. Well, I'm glad uh, I got to talk to Michael Ely about it, too. Oh, that's that's it. But like, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. Mm. It was just too expensive. And I'm sure that contributed here. Because there's nothing wrong with the show. No. I see no reason no. why the show, the show is exciting. The show is varied. The show mm. shows... Every pilot should tell you... Who the characters are, what the premise is, and what the possibilities are. Yeah. And I think and, the and possibilities are all here. Because, well, because we had three possibilities. We actually yeah. saw a couple episodes encapsulated yeah. in one, and I thought they were all pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be fast-paced. going to have a bunch of different fun characters. It's going to be funny. It's going to have, mm. you know, a, a little romance to it, a little... And even even when they fall back on cliched premises, like oh no, there's a space spore on board and it's making everybody mean to each other, it's something like that. I've, I've seen that on Star Trek like four times. Um, it's always good. It's always good, and you know you get to and at the end, oh, and it turns out it was the spores, and somebody gets to fight against the okay cliche, but it's going to work here because yeah. this is a good enough premise, and those are strong enough characters, and that's an exciting enough uh, scenario mm. where I think that's kind of important. And unlike something like Star Trek, where they're on a mission to explore new worlds. There's actually consequences if they F up their mission this time. Yeah. Like, okay, I don't want to see the Enterprise get destroyed, but if the Enterprise gets stopped in their tracks and that crew gets blown up, that's sad for the people who die. But it's not the end of the human race. But it's not the end of the human race and Starfleet will continue and it'll just go to another ship and follow them and have another show. It's yeah. like that... It's not that big a loss, essentially. Yeah, every Here, if they time, screw up their yeah. mission, there's actually something at stake, and every it doesn't have that time weird they sort divert of divert their course. They yeah. always just say, "Should we divert our course?" I'm like, "Well, we can do it for like a 
10 minutes. Uh, yeah, a day, maybe. Yeah, yeah but like, like, yeah, we really are on a, we're on a timetable here and we really can't afford to make but, detours all the time. But at the same time, it has more of a, like an urgent job that needs to be done feeling rather than something like the Star Lost to yeah. com- compare it again. Which it has a, was urgent, but they was, forgot how urgent it was. They forgot how urgent it was, and when they mentioned how urgent what it was, it had this weird sort of nihilistic quality. It's like, okay, we're heading toward the sun. Well, it's urgent until you forget. <laughs> and now there's a giant psychic space bee. What the hell is going on in this I, show? I can't think of a show that we've covered that I'd rather reboot more than the Star Wars. Because <laughs> yeah, there's like so much promise there and yeah. they just kept on screwing I, it I'm up. not talking about a good show that got canceled. I'm talking about a good idea for a show that, that they ne- never did. Even well. what yeah. they even what we got didn't do enough with mm. it. Like the Star Loss was such a neat idea. Just really nothing doing. Mm. But yeah, Earth Star Voyager. Fun, worth seeking out if you're a big fan of like space opera type shows like me and Whitney are, and you feel like you've yeah, seen spe- everything. Especially, you know, this this was kind of our sweet spot. I was 10 when this thing debuted. So, this, do you remember this? Did you watch this? No, but I I would have. Yeah, I would have. I would have loved this thing. I would. I would. It's weird because I watched a lot of those magical to Disney stuff. Mm. Uh, I don't remember this at all. Mm. And I think if I had seen this, I would have really liked it a lot. Mm. And I would have very fond memories of it, and I'd be wondering where the hell it is. So, uh, if anyone from Disney is listening, and it's not like you have anything better to do, <laughs> we're all at home. Uh, or if you know anyone who works at Disney, tell them about our Star Voyager. Let them know this exists, and that it's worth cleaning up and putting on Disney Plus because mm. it's actually quite good. And not in that, uh, not in our usual facetious. We need to rescue. The 100 Lives of Blackjack Savage sort of way. Okay, we do need to rescue do, the 100 we, Lives of Blackjack Savage. We, we do, but I think we need to do that just to see if Disney has the balls to do it. Uh, <laughs> like, like re- hey, remember this? You have this thing. You have this weird growth coming out of your ear. Remember back in the early 90s when you made an action-adventure show about <laughs> Donald Trump teaming up with the ghost of a black pirate to <laughs> solve mysteries using a sci-fi superboat? Remember that? Remember when you got Michael, Michael- Chiklis to dress up as the Black Pirate and scare people off his land? Remember, Remember when you when- saved R- Roma Downey's life by uh, by dumping pollution into the ocean? That like was- that was the heroic thing you did? Oh yeah, and Donald Trump has is a best friend with like an evil dictator. Yeah, that's wacky not, evil that's, dictator. That, that's not far fetched at all. No, um, that's a weird show you made, yeah. Disney. And remember when you got the CEO of Dis- the Disney Corporation to introduce it? And, <laughs> like and, several episodes? And remember when the creators of Final Destination created mm. your show? Mm. I'm um, just saying, it's weird. If, if you had the, as Shakespeare would say, chutzpah, to release it. <laughs> Someday! Someday! Now, but th- this one, Earth Star Voyager, I think, is is like legitimately good and could get some actual traction from like genre sci-fi fans mm-hmm. who are who are coming through Disney Plus for that kind of thing anyway. Yeah, like seriously, now that everyone's home, this is and better than Fuzzbucket. They're, they're you know? gonna yeah. run into, they're gonna run out of stuff on Disney Plus eventually. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing that would be fun to resurrect. Yeah, It'd for be sure. Like, well, you could even call it like one from the vault. Like, we dug this thing up. Isn't it cool? They, like, they we said, didn't be able to know about they, this one. They said the vault doesn't exist anymore, but why not? You well, know? I don't know. They still have a bunch of stuff left yeah. in it. Like, what do they just leave the... I'm sorry. If you leave the door open but didn't pull everything out, mm. it's still a vault. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's it. That's it for Cancel Too Soon. The show is mm. definitely canceled too soon. We really liked it a lot. And if you can find it, and you can find it pretty easily just by Googling it. 
uh, it's worth checking out. Mm. Uh, next time on Cancel Too Soon, uh, the winner of our latest poll is Flash Forward. However, we are trying to get a bunch of, like, we've got a bunch of balls in the air right now. Flash Forward's kind of a long show. So we're going to push Flash Forward back one more week. We're going to flash it forward. Uh, and next week, uh, to tie into our upcoming brand new podcast series, Episode Zero, where we talk about the movies that influenced Star Wars. Not Star Wars itself, but the things that led to it. Yeah, like, we'll talk a little bit about Star Wars, but we're talking about the stuff. The reason why Star Wars is successful is because people were inspired by these other films. So we're going to talk about those films. That's episode zero. To tie into the release of that, it's a show we wanted to put out a while ago, but, well, the world collapsed. Uh, We decided to do a failed Star Wars TV show. And yeah... There are some of those. <laughs> there's there's more Star Wars TV than you might think, in yeah. fact. Uh, believe it or not, the Ewoks animated series lasted more than one season. But the Droids animated series didn't. <laughs> so we're going to be reviewing R2-D2 and C-3PO's short-lived animated series from the 1980s, Droids. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I've actually never seen. I think I might have seen an episode when I was a kid. But I don't recall. They they drifted into my periphery as somebody who was just living in, in the Saturday morning milieu back then. But uh, yeah, uh, both Ewoks and droids. I remember hating Ewoks. Um, <laughs> I remember like, Ewoks being kind of indistinguishable from the Smurfs. It just was, it was kind of just bland. Same, and, yeah, like, like they, live, they live in these fantasy and... magic tree houses yeah. and they go on adventures and they speak in this, like Don Messick does all the voices. I, I might and, rewatch uh, the pilot of that just to remember when we talk about droids. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, but, just for the sake of talking about yeah, it. From, from what I understand, Star Wars from after remember, Return of the Jedi was a dark time. <laughs> well, I mean, during Return of the Jedi. I mean, <laughs> oh, Return of the Jedi isn't bad. Uh, the, 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 I'll say this. The, the visuals and like the critters, like in the first third of that movie where it's all the Jabba the Hutt stuff. That bit's great. It, look, it all looks so cool. The Rancor is still one of the coolest monsters ever. And, and then, and you know what? You rescue Han Solo and they fly away. Woo, we did it. And roll credits. <laughs> That's where you end that movie. We don't need like... All the Darth Vader and, and, stuff. Yeah, like, like an additional two point. hours of, of the rest of the movie. It's I'm like, so sick and tired of... Okay, we'll talk about this another mm. thing. But like now that now the quote-unquote official Star Wars movies, episodes one through nine, mm. are called the Skywalker Saga. Oh, God. And now... And I'm hearing people criticize, like... The last couple of movies, because mm. like, how can you call it the Skywalker saga if Luke isn't in it very much and mm. neither is Leia? And I'm like, okay, well, first off, Carrie Fisher died, so cut them some slack <laughs> on that one. But two, they didn't call it the Skywalker saga until like a year ago. Yeah, it was just a bunch of Star Warses. You're the ones who started calling it. You can't yeah. say like, why are we? That should yeah, like you just invented yeah. that thing. You they, just invented that. They call it the Skywalker Saga because I think they want to start, like, a, an additional saga. Of, of course some they do. Sense. They want to, like, separate it out. Yeah. Like, we're free okay, from we, the baggage of the other one. I get that. You got 15 feature films all around about the same shit, so here's some new shit. Yeah. yeah. How about, instead of Star Wars next time, mm. we do Planet Wars. That way, everyone isn't on fire all the time. Yeah. <sighs> 
you, you've been carrying that one in your back pocket for a while. I had you? a dream once mm-hmm. where I was watching a Star Wars movie, but they were actually living inside of stars, and they had like you know those guns on like the edge of uh, the Millennium Falcon shooting mm-hmm. out at like Tie Fighters. But they were like, but they were all on fire, and they're all like every the the exterior of this like Dyson sphere basically mm-hmm. was always on fire and covered in plasma, and it looked mm-hmm. really cool. Made no sense. It was a dream, but, but you it know looked what? neat. The Death Star is more like a moon. Why didn't they call it the Death Moon? You have a literal Death Star. It's a star. Well, it travels around. Death Star has its own gravity. Well, that's what we have from the close here. We had the Death Star, uh, and we had Star Killer Base, which is more of a planet than a moon. It was larger. Right. But they so called it. A, time, they called it a base, though. Yeah, I know. But next time we'll have the Death Moon, and that'll be a star. No, like, get, can we get away from the giant death machines, I know. please? I'm with. Okay, listen. That's a whole. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, everybody, for listening to Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we'll be back next week with a ton of stuff. We're going to try to produce as much content as your your ears can stand. And a lot of it's going to come right here for free to the critically acclaimed mm. network. Uh, we're going to have a new episode of The Iron List that's going to come out next week. We've got critically acclaimed. We're going to be reviewing uh, new streaming movies now that nothing's in theaters. We also have a section on the critically acclaimed uh, podcast where in addition to watching the new streaming stuff, we're going to pick one old movie every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all going to watch together. And this week, still plenty of time, uh, we're going to be watching Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to have a poll every week to decide what the next movie is going to be. We haven't put that poll up yet. Uh, but the first two polls, we just did one, uh, are going to be on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so follow us at Critic Acclaim. Uh, and uh, we'll have that poll up. I'll put up like midday Saturday. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, we have we've got mail. You write us in letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. You want to talk to us about canceled too soon, critically acclaimed, uh, ongoing issues in the film industry, film history, film recommendations, not film stuff. Ask us about our favorite snacks. No one ever does. <laughs> like there's so many. Th- we're an open book. You can just ask us anything. Mm. We go off on tangents anyway. But I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean you know us. That's what we do. Mm. Uh, we have droids coming up next week as well. We're going to try to debut episode zero. Uh, next week as well and over on the patreon we're going to have another episode of our firefly podcast which just began we're doing one podcast per episode of firefly mm-hmm. boom uh we're going to have some more commentary tracks available uh for you real real soon uh we're trying to get the next episode of only the best our oscars podcast we review every film ever nominated for best picture we're going to try to have that up within about a week we got a lot. We got a lot going on. And more Star Trek as well. We got Scott Mance is going to be on our Star Trek show. That's why I got delayed. We had to figure out how to get him on there because we're not tech savvy. Um, that, that, he, he called in, but he did yeah. join us. So, so I, yeah. need, I need to do more audio editing on that yeah. one. But uh, we, we've got that coming up as well. We're going to talk about the classic Trek episode, mm-hmm. The City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, so tons of stuff. Please stick around. Thank you for joining our Patreon. If you're part of our Patreon or if you want to join up and get tons of exclusive content, we got a huge back catalog. Patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We would love to have you there. Uh, and again, if you have the means, if you have the money, uh, now is a really important time to mm-hmm. support content creators because there's a really decent chance that not just us, but people like us who make the web series that you like and the podcast that you like uh, might have a real diminished income right now. So mm-hmm. every bit you can contribute really, really helps. Um, and uh, yeah, and we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Bug, bug Gus anytime. Sure. On Twitter especially. It's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're trying to stay busy. We're trying to produce stuff, but you know, mm-hmm. I love it when people ask me for recommendations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't always have the time, but I try to. 
Yeah. Um, so that's always fun. I try to do like so I, uh, I get a f- do you get like occasional just like direct messages just saying hey how you doing? Like, Everyone's hey. well. Everyone's like yeah, oh doing good thanks. Quite yeah. a few people have checked in. Yeah, they know yeah. that we're in California and things mm. are really on lockdown here. And it's a very special thank you to everyone uh, who has, uh, you know, upped their contribution on the Patreon because of that. Or just yeah, checked in so with much. us Jeez. because of that and just said, hey, are you guys okay? The fact that you care mm. really, really means a lot yeah, to us. It can be really social distancing and this sort of self-isolation that we're all uh, going through right now is, well, it's isolating. Mm. So we want to make sure you know that you're not alone by making as many podcasts as we can. You're not alone. We can hear you interact with us. We're happy to chat with you. We're happy to provide all this content for you. And luckily, uh, the rules in California allow podcasting to continue. (laughs) Very specifically podcasting. Specifically podcasting. uh, And they've said that we're actually a vital service. So we're here to be your vital service. Weird that they did that, but okay, yeah. I'm not going to turn it we, down. We are uh, a vital service, and I'm, we'd oh, like okay. to take advantage of that. Anyway, thank you, everybody. Please stay safe, stay healthy, take care of yourselves, hydrate, vitamins, be responsible. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. <laughs>